because I want to be the decision maker. I don't want to have to always be walking around um, asking for money to make the impact that I think deserves investment. Hello, and welcome back to I Want a Job, the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Sydney Thomas, an associate at Precursor Ventures. After trying a variety of internships and working in the public sector, Sydney realized she wanted to be the decision maker who decided where to invest money for impact. Sydney has this tremendous curiosity and a really fearless approach to networking. In this conversation, Sydney shares the path of trying out different roles and the networking that led to her entry into the venture capital industry. We discuss what it's like working in venture capital as an associate. We also discuss Sydney's journey of having 52 cups of coffee through LinkedIn. Her tips if you're interested in doing something similar while using LinkedIn. Even though she landed the job of her dreams, Sydney is still doing the coffee dates, except now she doesn't have to pay for LinkedIn premium. Sydney also shares some of her favorite productivity tips and apps. Before we start today's podcast, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Best Western. Attention business travelers, did you know Best Western Rewards has some of the lowest free night levels in the industry? Go get rewarded at more than 4,100 locations around the world by visiting bestwesternrewards.com. I I was reading an article where you said that when you learned that uh, venture capital has held the key to wealth and equality, the question mark that you'd been searching for, you decided to make a switch from government-related roles to looking for a job in venture capital. So tell us, tell us this story. When did this happen? So it was a longer switch. You know, when I'm writing an article or like talking to somebody who's writing an article about me, it always sounds much more like instantaneous. <laughs> and like I woke up one morning and it was all there. And that's definitely not what happened. It was a long process. And so I started in working in government in 2010 and did a number of roles there. The first one I was working on federal legislation and I just thought it was going way too slow. So I decided to switch into something where I, and the legislation was around wealth and equality stuff. So this has been my shtick for a really long time. But it was going way too slow. Was The legislation wasn't going to get passed. I could see that. So I wanted to switch on to something that was going a little more quickly, making another impact. So I worked on a program team in the same department doing similar work. But what I realized then was that so much of our work was depending on these private partners to invest in us in order for us to create what we were trying to create. So essentially what we were doing was this program called the Savers Bonus Bill, where we would incentivize low-income tax filers to save a portion of their tax refund and uh, by giving them a little bonus. And so a lot of these bonuses came from our connections to banks. So I was a little frustrated because, like, okay, this is, one, completely dependent on the private sector, and two, the, the incentive that we're giving these people is really not as meaningful as I wanted it to be. And so I want to do something that's, a, that's more impactful than this too. So that's when I transitioned into education, doing this public-private partnerships role where I was working with large institutions and companies to gather investment into school reform. And that was really fun. So I was working on millions of dollars of investment 
and working with principals to craft these types of programs that they could build to support their students and also gather some private investment in their schools. And that's when I had the larger aha moment, which was around like, okay, these these institutions are still having a really huge impact on the final product here. I need to figure out what they're all about and what this private sector business stuff is in order to make a smart decision about what I want my future to be. Because I want to be the decision maker. I don't want to have to always be walking around um, asking for money to make the impact that I think deserves investment. Got it. And so, tell, tell me again, so what? who was that role with? So that was at the Fund for Public Schools. So I was still in a government capacity somewhat and working between as this intermediary between large institutions and corporations and individual public schools. And so, so, can you give a few examples and maybe some like some of the projects that made you excited while you were there? Yeah. So my major project that I was excited about when I was there was I was working with Nike to right after Hurricane Sandy to give some of the schools that were devastated by this hurricane a completely new like a new. Well, we were at first focused on the field, so giving them a completely new field because FEMA just was not reliable, unfortunately, um, to recover some of these funds for these fields that had been devastated by Hurricane Sandy. And then they kind of grew into these larger programs that happened in these schools to get the to help fund um, sports in schools. And so... I was able to secure over $2 million from Nike into a number of schools, and that was actually the largest investment that they had ever made in New York City's public schools. And so that one was really fun because I was working with a really excited partner and working with these really awesome principals to craft a number of grants, essentially, to gain um, investment in, in these schools. Nice. And so, how do you think you're able to get such a big grant? So, I think it was a number of things. I think the first one was just being a little relentless. <laughs> and that I just would ping these people all the time. Like, there was no there was no question of whether or not we were going to get the grant. It was if. And so, I was emailing the head of the, the decision maker at the Nike um, at Nike weekly, setting up calls weekly with them, setting up calls weekly with the New York City admin team, setting up calls weekly with the schools on the ground. So I, I could both be just on top of everybody's radar, but then also so I could learn more about how these institutions worked and what they really wanted in order to see this come to its fruition. And so it was a lot of talking, a lot of learning, and then at the end of the day, just crafting these proposals that gave everybody a little bit of comfort that they got what they wanted in order to say yes and um, going from there. Got it. And so that leads into, I could tell from your personality that you, you're persistent and relentless. And I love the story of how you got your job at Venture Capital. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So that was kind of, random because it took me a really long time to figure out that I wanted to be in venture. I, I think a lot of people in venture who are here 
didn't really know these dogs existed until they were handed one or they were given some some sort of opportunity in and around venture. And so a similar thing happened to me. I got into business school just trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do because I didn't know. This is my first time learning about the private sector. And so I just took up a lot of internships. So by the end of my time at Berkeley, I had about, I'd accumulated about six different internships. And so I was working essentially full time while, while going to school. And my last job that I was working in was at this startup called Soma Water. And they're based here in San Francisco. And that was the first one. I still, all of the, I kept doing these internships because none of them, I, I didn't like any of them. And so I, every time I didn't like one, I was just like, okay, well, let me try something else. <laughs> and so this one, the actual job function, I still didn't like that much. But I got this exposure to a guy who was on the team who was both an investor and founder of Soma. And I loved what he was doing. He was able to spend time at so much. He was also an investor in a few other companies. And so I saw him traveling all over the U.S., visiting with these companies and talking to them and helping them grow. And I was like, wow, that's the job I want. How do I get that job? And this was second semester, second year of Berkeley. So I was super late to this whole job market thing for venture. And so it was coincidental that I was at the same time planning a conference for the Women in Leadership group at Berkeley. And so I invited some of my men, who some women who I wanted to be my mentors, and one of them obliged to come. Her name is Frida Kapoor Klein, and we developed a really meaningful relationship, and I let her know that I was also interested in venturing. She put me in touch with my current boss, Charles Hudson. Love it. And so now that you've been in the industry, I, I noticed that you started a blog about what it's like to work in venture capital. So I love that. And um, so tell us about your first post. What does an associate do and what other plans do you have for this blog? What I was trying to, what I've been trying to convey in this blog is that there's so many of these blogs written by the greats. Mm -hmm. I get, I'm putting that in quotes because I think that's a relative term, but the greats of venture capital who talk about what they invest in, how they think they're investing, just so much stuff. They will just, they just talk all the time, all day. You get pretty much every day I get in my inbox a list of blogs from uh, VCs who want to tell me about their lives. And what I didn't see was any blogs from folks who were still growing in this space. Mm -hmm. And so that was the purpose of my blog is I wanted to write a, from the perspective of someone who still has a lot to learn, just what I'm learning every day and how I'm using that to become a better investor. Yeah, I love that. I hope you keep up with it. So share with us what, um, what an associate does at a venture capital firm. Yeah. So I say that we are, so one, I want to contextualize this because I'd say that associates at every venture capital firm are very different mm -hmm. because the weird thing about venture capital is that it is a little bit of a fiefdom model and <laughs> that each venture capital firm is completely dictated by the GPs. Like what happens at the at that firm is is a GP um, decision. 
So an associate at Andreessen is Horowitz is going to look very different than an associate associate at August Capital and an associate at Precursor Ventures. And so what I do at Precursor is literally a little bit of everything because we are a two-person team. So it's just Charles Hudson, who's the managing director, and I, who is the associate here, here full-time. And then we have an EIR, so an entrepreneur in residence, who's working on his own thing and also um, working at Precursor and supporting our companies. And we have a cryptocurrency researcher who's doing building her own hedge fund, her own cryptocurrency hedge fund, and also supporting us in how we're thinking through crypto investments. And so my day-to-day, I guess I'll give you a little bit of an understanding of this week, what my day-to-day has looked like. And so I'd say I split it up like 30% of the day I'm taking pictures from entrepreneurs, 30% of the day I am talking to other VCs so that I can learn about what they're interested in seeing so I can forward them interesting investments that they might look at, um, both of our current portfolio and others. I'd say the remaining 30, 40% that I have is around just kind of just random stuff that happens. So today I need to send out a, a newsletter to our portfolio. I'm doing this pitch. Um, last night I went to a dinner with the institution that might invest in our investment fund. Um, tonight I'm going to dinner with another associate to learn about and connect with her about how we're setting our goals for 2018. And so it's really one of those make-your-own-adventure type of jobs, which I absolutely love. And so you kind of have to come in with a really good understanding of exactly, um, with a really good understanding that you're not going to get, in most cases, a lot of information about what you should be doing. (laughs) You have to figure it out on your own and then take initiative um, as often as you can without burning yourself out. Um. I'd love to hear about your your coffee dates. You wrote a blog post about that. And um, tell us about that experience. Yeah. So the cool thing about the coffee dates is that I still do it as a VC. And I think that what – so essentially the impetus behind it was I was gearing – I was a second-year business student, didn't have a full-time job lined up, and I didn't know what I wanted my full-time job to look like. And so I just did a series of coffee chats to talk to people who I just thought were generally interesting. So I would spend um, too much money on LinkedIn Premium <laughs> to get all of to get access to all of these people's inboxes. Mm-hmm. And so I would spend my Sunday night sending out 20, 30, 40 of these intros to people and get, I mean, because they were cold, I would get maybe like a 1% to 3% response rate. Like, it was really, really low. But of those, the 1% to 3% response rate was still really awesome. Because that meant that I had essentially my whole week filled up with coffee. And so I would spend this time with these individuals to learn, what are they doing? What are they building? What do I like about what they're building? And so how does that apply to what I want to do next? And I would take I would take each one of these coffee chats to inform the next group of people who I would reach out to, and get, and through it I got closer and closer to 
what I wanted to do. So by the end of these coffee talks, I was reaching out to many, many more VCs. At the beginning, I was reaching out to many, many more people in the CPG community because I thought that's what I wanted to do. And so I wasn't able to have that evolution um, without without talking to so many people. And so now I do the same thing. I'm reaching out to folks who don't have to sign up for LinkedIn Premium anymore. Mm-hmm. I get their emails um, just by getting to know folks at these happy hours and, and reach out to folks every day to set up some coffee chats and learn about what they're doing, what they're seeing, how they're learning. And these are VCs, entrepreneurs, and also people who aren't in this industry at all to, to improve my thinking on, on investing. Very, very cool. And so if you could give advice to somebody who about doing this type of um, connecting on LinkedIn, do you have any that you'd, that you'd give? Yes. I would say definitely include a personal note. And in that personal note, say something that makes you connect to their background. So research the person before you send the personal note. So don't write a personal note saying, hey, I saw your profile. I'm so impressed with what you, you're doing. Would you be open to chatting? Instead, if you, would, you should look at their profile in advance, see what they have done that might align with what you have also done in the past, and talk about that. So, for example, if you have a background working in teaching and you see that this person is now an entrepreneur in education, say, hey, I was a teacher, I told, and I, the pain point that you're trying to solve completely resonates with me because of X, Y, and Z. I'd love to learn more about how you're solving this problem and talk to you more about how I, my perspective on the problem as well. Hmm. That's good advice. Cool. Um, and what about any kind of tools or resources that you're using? So LinkedIn was one. Any other kind of um, apps or tools or time management techniques that you can share that have worked for you? Yes, I have so many. I use <laughs> Boomerang to help me manage my inbox. So I'll do inbox pause in the mornings when I have a big project that I'm working on because my emails distract me and it takes and so the inbox pause just prohibits you from seeing any new inbox any new emails until you're ready to see them. Mm-hmm. I use I also use that to manage my follow-ups. So it also allows you to say, okay, I just sent out this email. If this person hasn't emailed me back in a week, ping me. So I also use Asana to keep track of all my tasks. It's amazing, a lifesaver. And so I use it both for personal and work. Um, just so I make sure that everything I need to do is in one place. And I also use Meeting Bird to manage my calendar because it has been a time saver in allowing me to book meetings with people very quickly um, because it lives right in your inbox. If you use Gmail, it lives right in the right on your inbox home screen. And so you're able to see what you have coming up. You're able to book a meeting with someone who you're emailing in that email. Um, and it makes it a much more seamless process. I'd say I also recently changed my screen on my phone to be grayscale. I saw this recommendation through somebody on Twitter a few days ago, and it's been a life changer. It keeps me off my phone, and it's been so great because now I'm not wasting time 
just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Instead, my phone just kind of looks like a brick and it's boring. And so I do what I need to <laughs> so do wait, to get off of it. What is this? It's, is it an actual thing you have to download, Grayscale? No, so you can actually do it in settings. Uh-huh. So you have settings, accessibility, uh-huh. and then so I forget the exact wording, but it's something around like color scheme. Oh, and okay. then you're able to change it to Grayscale. How about, um, what are you reading now and any kind of favorite books to recommend? So I try to read things that have nothing to do with my job. Good because, for you. <laughs> because I get, my job is, that's one of my 2018 goals is like just be, don't work 24-7, like at work maybe 23-6. <laughs> and so... I started carrying my Kindle around with me often, and so one of the books um, that I just got, I only use, I only download books from the public library. I refuse to pay for books because it's ridiculous. And so I just got, um, we're going to need more wine, Gabrielle Union's autobiography, and so I'm really excited to read that one. Very cool. And tell us a little about your early influences, how you grew up, and where um, you seem extremely motivated, and I'd just love to know a little bit of how you got the way you are. Yeah. I don't really know. I grew up in San Diego. Um, my mom, it was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad was is a nephrologist, and my mom was obsessive about being productive, like... We would, even though she was a stay-at-home mom, she had something to do literally every moment of every hour, and that instinct was baked into, I think, my sister and I as well, where every hour was expected to be filled with something that would help you help you succeed. And so over summer, we never went to camp, but we would do our own, essentially, homeschool, where we'd get all of these workbooks and have to do all of, all of them <laughs> before we came back to school. We had very limited amount of TV. We had very a lot of rules, and I think that we kind of used it as a competition, and even now when I'm talking to my mom, it's like, what did you do this week? And I was like, what did you do this week? And we try to compete, like, who's done more stuff this week? Love it. Because <laughs> we just love, we love getting stuff done. Sweet. Um- well, I hope you keep up with the blog and I look forward to seeing your career grow. Thank you, Paulina.